That is the desire of our heart for our church, is that we would go to make the name of Jesus known uh, in our community, first of all, uh, where we're responsible to look after the folks that God has put in our path on a regular basis, and then in the communities that surround us, and, and ultimately uh, to the ends of the earth. And God may end up calling some of us, some of the folks out of this body of believers, to go different places to share the truth of Jesus Christ with people in different parts of the world. If you haven't been with us the last couple of weeks, we're studying uh, the book of 1 Timothy. We've been walking through uh, kind of what God has to say, first of all, to those who lead the church. That's one of the things that he, he discusses from the very beginning uh, of, of the book, of how the leaders of the church are supposed to act and interact with the body, and then also how the church is supposed to, to, to react. What's supposed to happen as a church? What are we to do as a church body? And so we've been answering those questions over the last few weeks. We're going to continue doing that this morning. We'll be in 1 Timothy chapter 4, looking at verses 6 through 10. And before we get into that this morning, why don't you bow with me and, and let's ask God by His Spirit to help us understand the Word of God. Father, You have promised through your word, that you would reveal truth to us by your spirit. And so we claim that promise this morning. We ask that your spirit would make truth very plain to us. And then because I know me, God, I know that sometimes I struggle with taking what I know to be truth and walking that out through my feet. And so I ask that you'd help us with that. I pray that you would help the transition between are mentally understanding something and then physically and practically applying it. And so would you grant us that this morning? And I pray that we would see Jesus, that we would just see you. Thanks so much for your word. In your name we pray. Amen. Last week I was sharing with you from the beginning of chapter 4, and if you remember, the beginning of chapter 4 starts at the end of chapter 3, right? I know that sounds a little confusing, but it's true. Remember, there are no breaks in Scripture in terms of the way we have chapter and verse breaks. And so last week we were talking about this fact that Pastor Mike had ended with the creed that's found at the end of chapter 3, which is we believe in God the Father and we believe in Jesus Christ and we believe in in the Holy Spirit, and we believe the fact that Jesus Christ, as the Son of God, came as the sacrifice for mankind to pay the price for our sin, and that He went to a cross, He died on that cross, He was buried, and as Scripture had told us in the Old Testament, that on the third day He would rise again, and He would defeat the grave and hell, and He did that. And that was the creed at the end of chapter 3. That was, that was kind of what Paul sets up with Timothy and he says, hey, these are the, this is the baseline of what everybody has to believe. And we jumped into chapter 4 and Paul was, was telling Timothy as the teacher of this church in Ephesus, he said, look out for false teachers. Look out for those who would just tweak and twist the truth just a little bit, just enough to get people off base. We talked about the fact that that happens all the time. There are those who take little portions of the Word of God and they, they use those for their benefit. And we found this out about false teachers, that a false teacher leads people to a place that benefits them, not God. 
And someone who's teaching truth always points everyone back to Jesus Christ and back to God. That's their job. That's what God has asked them to do. We found out last week that we needed to be in the Word of God as individual believers so that we knew and understand the truth and we know and understand the truth of Scripture for ourselves. And we're hiding it deep in our heart and it's making a difference in who we are. And now Paul is going to start talking to Timothy, and he's going to keep this thought going, this thought of, here's the creed, here's what you believe, look out for those, the warning, look out for those who would, who would lead you astray. And then he's going to talk a little bit in these next four verses, he's going to say, hey, and here's how you stay on the right path. Here's, here's how this works out in your daily living and keeps you on the right path. Let me read these verses with you. You can see them on the screen. Chapter 4, starting at verse 6. If you point these things out, remember the false teachers and, and the things that would lead people away. If you point these things out to the brothers and sisters, the people in the church, you're the brothers and sisters. If you're a Christ follower, he's referring to you. You will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, nourished by the words of the faith and the good teaching that you have followed but have nothing to do with pointless or silly myths. Rather, train yourself in godliness. For the training of the body has limited benefit. I'm stopping, hold it, just one minute. I have to stop here, and I'm going to hit it again, but I need to do it twice, okay? You ready for this? Because there are those who, when they read that particular phrase of that verse, who says, I, they've, I've heard this. You ready for this? I don't have to exercise. It doesn't do me any good. That is not what that says, okay? That is not what that is teaching at all. We'll get to that. I'm just putting a little warning in your head, okay? That's not what he's saying. He says little benefit or limited. But godliness, we're going to keep going, is beneficial in every way since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. This saying is trustworthy and deserves full acceptance. For this reason, we labor and strive. See those two words. Because we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially those who believe. I have three thoughts that I want you to kind of focus in this morning. There's a lot more in this passage, but there are three thoughts for what we should do as a church from these passage, this passage of Scripture. Thought number one is found in verse 6, where he says this. He says, be nourished by the Word of God. First thought, be nourished. What does the word there mean? What's it mean to be nourished by the word of God? Well, the word nourish means this. It means to take in food or other substances for our growth, for health, for good conditioning. And actually, when you look it up, it has this thought in mind. It means to educate, to strengthen. And then, I love this in the dictionary, it actually says this, to educate, to strengthen, and fatten. Nourish is for the the purpose of fattening. Did you know that? Now, don't mean it doesn't mean obese. That's not what it's talking about. But it does mean to fatten up in a healthy way. 
Nourish means to replenish. I thought of this when I was thinking about re- the, the word nourish. It, it, it's such a rich word. And I love, I, I just, I liked, I sat in my office for a little while. Sometimes if you were fly, fly on the wall, it would be scary as to what happens in the office. But I sat in the office and I kept saying the word nourish. And if you say it long enough, it sounds really weird. Like any word, okay? But as I was thinking of the word nourish, this was the picture, the word picture that came to my mind. Uh, growing up on a farm, the farm area that we lived in, um, there was, there's natural springs all over. All the farms have natural springs on them. And the farm, one of the farms that we worked, we worked, all, all the farmers worked together when they're doing crops. And uh, the farm next to us, uh, the, the farmer, we would put his hay in. And he had a, a, a large hay barn. And then next to the hay barn, he had a cistern that was spring-fed. And there were springs that bubbled up, and they filled this, this big, round cistern. And I loved that spring-fed cistern. And in the, in the summer, when you were putting a hay, hay away in his barn, I got stuck often way up. And, and Mike, Mike and I were part of the, the oily crew or the greasy crew, depending on the day. And we got stuck way up in the hay mow, and we packed hay. And you would come down, you would be sweating, it would be so hot, so miserable, and you would come down, and I, at a few times, and, and I didn't, because people drank out of the cistern, so we didn't say this out loud, but, but a few times I, I climbed in to the cistern, that spring, cold, fresh water. Now, here's what happened with that. That spring would bubble up and it would fill that giant cistern with water and there was a pipe that went out of the cistern to a trough down in the field. And that pipe filled the trough for the animals to drink out of. And what it, what it was is that pipe never stopped flowing water. It refilled the trough all the time because the spring bubbled up into the cistern and filled the cistern and the cistern then fed the pipe which fed the trough. That's nourishing those animals. And the idea there is that nourishment is replenishment. It keeps giving. It keeps going. It it, it continues to replenish and refill and bring health and vitality to those animals. That's the picture here with Scripture. What he's saying is this, that you need to be nourished by the Word of God. You need to be the words of faith, the words that God gave us through the Holy Spirit need to get down into your heart and your soul, and they replenish your very spirit. That's the picture. Nourished by the Word of God. Now, when I think of the word nourish, and I think of healthy things that would nourish us, my mind goes to the flip side of that. And I think about junk, junk food. Who likes junk food? Okay, see, I like doing these kind of, because everybody puts their hands up. It's awesome. We all do. And here's the nature of junk and junk food. Junk food is empty calories. There's very little nourishment for my body. And I climbed down a wormhole and started reading about the effects of junk food. And what I learned is this, that junk food causes us to be lazy and sluggish. It causes learning disabilities. It causes memory loss increased risk of dementia, 
It lessens the ability to control our appetites. It causes chemical changes to the brain that lead to depression. It leads to impatience and causes cravings. It causes digestive disorder. Some of you are wondering about your stomach? Cut out the junk food. Respiratory problems, heart disease, diabetes, kidney disease. It sounds like one of those drugs they advertise. Oh, it's because it's full of chemicals. Junk food doesn't nourish the body. It depletes the body. It causes the body to be limited in its ability to grow and develop to become what the body was meant to be. So now let's put these two things together. God says that the word of God nourishes the soul. It replenishes it. It brings health and vitality to the soul. It renews. Scripture says this, that the word of God renews the mind. It brings life to the mind. Junk, spiritual junk, we're fed junk constantly in our social media. We're fed junk constantly through the TV. We're fed junk constantly in, in what we read in news. And, and we, we consume junk almost to the exclusion of health, spiritual health. So many of us spend hours consuming junk that depletes our health and takes us away from who God wants us to be and we wonder why we're anemic. We wonder why we're sluggish. We wonder why we're lazy. We wonder why we don't have what it takes to take the next steps. The reason is because what's healthy and nourishing isn't being put into our bodies. And our minds get weak and we struggle. 1 Peter 2.2 says, Like a newborn infant desires the pure milk of the word so that may you, you may grow up into, self, into your salvation if you have tasted that the Lord is good. The word of God gives you exactly what you need to grow up into him and be the person that you ought to be. Now remember, 1 Timothy is being written to, to Pastor Tim. <laughs> and in writing to Pastor Tim, Paul says this. He says, Tim, you need to nourish your soul to feed the flock. Pastor Mike and I and whoever are, are the elders, Clow and Tim and Robert at this point, it is our responsibility to nourish our souls to help feed the flock, God's people to shepherd the flock. We need to be nourishing our soul and maturing in the Word of God. Not knowing things about the Word of God, but knowing the Word of God and hiding it and memorizing it. That's why we spend time and energy memorizing the Word of God and hiding it so our souls are nourished. Remember this about that. That means that as, as a body of this of this church, of this body of believers, you have the right to come to any one of your elders, pastors, your elders, and ask what we've been reading in the Word of God. What have you been studying in the Word of God? What do you know? What's new in your life because you've been reading the Word? You have the right to do that, to ask us at any time, because it is our responsibility to be nourished 
by the word of God, which also means it is your responsibility to be nourished by the word of God. Because if we're teaching you and you're reading the word of God for yourself, your soul is renewed by the word of God. Thought number two found in verses seven and eight, he says this, he says, being nourished by the word of God and the good teaching that follows it, but have nothing to do with pointless and silly myths. Rather, train yourself in godliness. Be focused. That's what he's saying here. He's saying this, look, don't get distracted. He's saying, look, be in the word of God. Nourish your soul with the word of God. And as you're nourishing your soul with the word of God, stay focused, train your body, discipline yourself to stay on task, to keep doing the things that God has asked you you to do. Stay focused. Now, you know me because we've talked about this a number of times. I can easily be distracted. I know I'm not alone. I know that there's a lot of you in this room who are also also easily distracted. But as your elder, as a teacher of this church, it is my responsibility before God to stay focused on what it is that he's asked me to do. I have to be careful not to get wrapped up in all kinds of other stuff. And there's all kinds of other stuff that interests me. And I would love to get wrapped up in. And God says, no, that's not your job. Your job is to be disciplined. And this is where he paints this picture. He says bodily discipline has a limited effect. In other words, what he's saying is this. Look, every one of us, Scripture tells us this, it's appointed unto man once to die, and after that comes the judgment. Every one of us will face death. Our bodies are breaking down and wearing out. And as each one of us gets older, you become more aware of the fact that your body hurts more and it's breaking down. Listen to yourself get out of bed. Okay? It's breaking down. And what he says is, look, your body's only here for a limited amount of time, and so that discipline, that exercise that you give your body only lasts your lifetime. Your body will only last so long. But let me tell you this about your body. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, and you are not your own if you are a Christ follower. It is your responsibility to discipline yourself to look after your body so that you can be the best version of you that God created. Look after yourself. But then he says this, he says, that discipline bleeds over into our spiritual life. What you're doing in your spiritual exercise, I mean in your physical exercise also shows up in your spiritual exercise. And you discipline yourself to stay focused on the truth of the word of God and pouring it deep down into your heart so you become the person that God is creating you to be. Train yourself is his words here. Train means this, that you've put thought and effort into the direction you're going. It's not that you wake up one day and say, wow, look how buff I am. It doesn't work. The only way you get buff is by training yourself. You were intentional about the process of getting there. The only way that you get in shape spiritually is by being intentional of the process that gets you there. And some of us struggle in our lives with discipline in our physical life, and it bleeds over to our spiritual. And some of us struggle 
with discipline in our spiritual life, and it's showing up all over the place in our spiritual. And so Paul says this. He said, Tim, as a pastor, as an elder, it is your responsibility to train yourself to be disciplined, to force yourself and your body under the control of. You control it. It doesn't control you. How are you doing with that? How am I doing with that? Train yourself. Make choices that lead you to the desired outcome. You will be doing things that nobody else is doing. You will be weird (laughs) when you do this because it's not the norm in the culture we live in. Third thought that I want you to get out of this passage is found in verse 10. In verse 10, he says this, For this reason, now look at these two words, we, you say them, we labor and strive. What I need you to understand as we look at these two words is this. Look, nourishing your physical body, but more importantly, nourishing your spiritual body and staying focused takes, you ready for this? I'm going to say a dirty word. You ready? Takes work. Did you catch that? It takes, say it with me, work. You're allowed to say that dirty word right now. It takes work. Nourishing your body means that you're going to work at looking at what is good for you and you're going to put the effort into getting that into your body. Staying focused means that I discipline myself. It's like the blinders on a horse. It means that I I put blinders on my eyes that keep me focused on what it is that God has asked of me and I'm not distracted by all the other garbage that's going on in life. And so Paul writes to Timothy and he says, look, I need you to understand that you're laboring. And that word labor there has the idea of exhaustion. You have worked so hard. You ever been there where you worked so hard doing something that you didn't even make it to the pillow to fall asleep? Ever been there? I have. I have. My dad was a farmer. And he was up early every morning to milk cows and the whole day long. He, he, he put in a lot of work. And we used to laugh. We had devotions as a family right after supper. Every night before we left the supper table, we had devotions. That was what we did. And we took turns as we got older reading devotions at the table. And sometimes on dad's turn, he would fall asleep while reading. That's how tired he would be. We never had supper until 6, 6.30. Everybody else was done. And so what would happen in our home? Mike actually probably was part of this. So was Melody. Uh, that some nights during devotions, the kids would be waiting for us to come out to play, to go play hockey or whatever we were going to do. And we had a line of chairs in our dining room that went along the wall. And these kids would show up for us to go out to play. And they would sit along the wall with us as we had devotions. And we would finish devotions every night with a song, Right? That's what we did, and all the kids would sing with us. It was great sometimes. Sometimes they didn't know the songs. But my dad would be so exhausted at times when we would be having devotions that he would be reading and he would fall asleep reading, or he would be praying. And, of course, there are six kids, and we would go, he's sleeping again. (laughs) He fell asleep. 
But that's the picture. The picture is that he worked so hard. So when you're nourishing your soul, when you're being focused, folks, this isn't a cakewalk. Rob, we've done some work with Rob. Mike and I have, and we always know Rob will say, hey, this job's a cakewalk. You know you're in trouble. It's not a cakewalk. It's not walking through life and skating through unscathed and untouched. And that's what we want. We don't want to put any effort into it. And, and Paul looks at Timothy and he says, look, Timothy, you're going to have to, you're going to work to the point of exhaustion in what you do. You're going to be tired and wrung out, folks. That happens to me often when I preach and when I teach and when I study. I come to the end and I'm exhausted. And I'll tell Pam, we'll be going home, like, I can't do anything with anyone because I can't put two thoughts together straight. I'm exhausted. That's the word. And then he uses the word strive here. And I don't think it's really the right word because when you look it up, it actually means, it means to be brought under reproach. It means this. It means that you're teaching the truth of the word of God. And there are, the, there are those that when they hear it, they scoff at it. That's what it means. And so the picture is this, that the labor is really hard, but so is the truth. So is the truth. And folks, if you're a Christ follower in this room, this life is not easy and it's not meant to be. God did not promise you easy street. And actually, the fact that you made a choice to follow Jesus Christ made your life harder. And it will cost you. And you will be exhausted for standing up for the truth of God's word. And you will make choices that others do not understand and they won't want to be part of. And even some of your family will look at you as if you're crazy. And there are times that when you stand for what is true and you make a stand for the principles of the word of God, that it will bring reproach. And you will be scoffed at. But the payout is that one day I know I will stand before God and Jesus Christ will pre present me to my heavenly Father. And he'll say, this is my son who I gave my life for and he is acceptable before you. That will be incredible. And nourishing my soul and staying focused and working to exhaustion is worth every second. For what is promised in heaven with my heavenly father. I can't wait. It'll be hard. There'll be days you're going to want to give up. There's days I want to. If I'm honest, I give up three times a week. I do. Monday's first. I get up Monday morning and I'm done. It's over. I quit. 
the same for you. It's hard. Being disciplined is not fun. It's not easy. But think about what Jesus Christ did for you so you could be free. Think about what Jesus Christ has done for you so that you could have a relationship with your Creator. It's incredible. Wow. This morning, we want to celebrate that. We're going to celebrate communion. If, if you're a guest and you haven't taken communion, you don't need to. You can just watch. That's fine. Or you don't have a relationship with God and communion is kind of weird to you. That's okay. Communion is simply us celebrating the fact that Jesus Christ went to the cross and he shed his blood. He allowed his body to be broken for you and for me so that I could have life, so that the sin that I carry, the guilt that I carry could be wiped away. It could be removed by him. And that's what he's done for us. And by his spirit, he renews us every day. And through his word, he nourishes our our soul. And he helps us stay focused on what matters. And that's helping lost folks come to know Jesus Christ. And so this morning, we want to take a minute and celebrate the fact that we can have a relationship with our God and our creator. 1 Corinthians uh, tells us and paints a picture for us of this. Paul, once again, was the one who set this up for folks so that they would understand what communion was and, and, and they wouldn't get all kind of crazy about it, but they would understand what communion looked like. It's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Let me read these verses to you. For I have received from the Lord what also passed, I pass on to you. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and he, and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup after supper and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. For when you eat this bread and you drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Every time you take those elements, the, the, the cracker, or the broken bread and, and the cup, you're saying this, you're saying, thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for the price that you paid so that I could have freedom and I could be forgiven. And so this morning, as you take those elements, as they come, take them. And take them as you're ready. They're both going to come. The, the bread will come or the, or the cracker and then the cup. And take it as you're ready. But as you're doing that, celebrate the, the freedom, the nourishment that is yours because of what Jesus Christ has done for you. Father, Thank you so much for these reminders we've heard this morning. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, and the fact that you were willing to pay for my sins so that I could have a relationship with you. Thank you for the word of God that nourishes my soul. Thank you for your spirit that guides and directs me into all truth. God, bless our hearts as we celebrate communion together in your name. Amen. In the Gospels, when Jesus set up communion, he said they, they celebrated communion together and then they sung a hymn and they left. And I've read that over and over. And I often wonder why.
And I think what Jesus was doing was focusing people on the truth, right? The truth of who he was, the truth of what he did, and they worship together in that truth. The words we just sang says that he's never failed us yet. Great is his faithfulness. God's faithfulness, his promise to you and to me and to us as a church is he will nourish our souls. He will provide everything that we need to do the work of leading folks to Jesus Christ, introducing people to himself. He promises through his spirit to provide everything that you need, that I need this week to to be successful in our spiritual walk. Great is his faithfulness. He will not let you down. Go and be the church. Thanks for being here this morning.